Yes. So we'll give it a shot here. All right. Let's give it a little taste. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like this thing could be your food. Good afternoon. Did I get it right? Is it the afternoon for you? You know, you shoot your shot. Maybe it's the afternoon. I don't know why I'm dwelling on it, but hey, regardless what time it is, thank you for tuning in to This Band Could Be Your Food. I am your guide, Nathan Palin, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Greenpoint, New York. That's in Brooklyn. A good place to raise a child. I got one. You should get one too, but don't don't be in any hurry. All in due time, my friend. It's a long life to live. So listen. This week's episode is dedicated to Chicago, Illinois' own Wilco. Who's Wilco, you ask? Well, when Uncle Tupelo broke up a bunch of years ago, Jeff Tweedy picked up the pieces of the remnants and started a new band called Wilco. All these years later, him and the bass player are still in it. Still chugging along, still making great tunes. Now, I think that this episode is well-timed because, and I'll go into this, I believe very deeply that Wilco is a Thanksgiving band. So I hope I didn't give away too much. Tune in and find out which food I think Wilco is. And it wasn't an easy sell. My guest this week is my, my old buddy Eugene Kim. Eugene lived in the very first house that I lived in after leaving my parents' house. So a tender young 18-year-old boy moved in with five other 19 and 20 year old boys and it went about as well as you would expect tune in to find out some of the shenanigans that we got into back in those days and that's all i'm gonna say about it in the introduction first off right off the bat here hey have you been enjoying the show have you listened to a couple of episodes thus far if so have you ever thought about leaving a review now i don't want to be one of those annoying guys that asks you a million times to put a review up there but what kind of a business savvy podcaster would i be to not it's important if you like the show if you like me if you like me come on listen it's me nate or nathan or waylon i've gone by so many names it's weird go to apple Podcasts and leave a review and make sure it's a good one and and if if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all Ah, and with that, why don't you let me know what bands you'd like me to cover? I mean, my plan is to cover all of the bands. As long as I continue to gain some steam and keep this thing going, I want to do a band that you want to hear about. What what band do you want to hear about? We did one last week, ACDC. My dedicated 10-year-old listener out in Madison, Wisconsin, he, he thought that I should do ACDC. I went and did it. Oh, hey, by the way, last week, I ran into Corey Glover of Living Color. He was playing a gig right next door to where I was playing a gig. I walk out and they're like, oh yeah, Corey Glover's in here playing music with his band that is not Living Color. And it was his birthday and he had had a lot of tequilas. So he probably doesn't remember me at all. But I remember. I took a picture. Maybe you've seen it. Let's see. What more can I talk about? How about nothing? Let's get to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Wilco and my talk with Eugene Kim. All right, Eugene, it was a stressful day. I know. But Very we, stressful. We, 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 well, first, we find out that our, our quarterback has contacted the Rona. <laughs> yes. 
But whatever. So, so that's the beginning of our day. Second part of our day, we secured pavement tickets, which is very exciting. Yeah, very exciting, especially with the how bad the Ticketmaster website slash app yeah. is. So that wasn't too bad. Yeah, it seems like uh, I don't know how often they get to have these rush situations where everybody's trying to get tickets for something all at the same time, but. You would figure by now they would have this figured out. Well, true, but you you do have professional brokers in Europe that seem to know how to beat the system. That's so. true. What can you do? What can you do? Whatever. We Whatever. we're not all, we're not all sitting together, but we're going at least. So that's awesome. Yeah, very awesome. Thanks a yeah. lot. You bet. Absolutely. Thanks for helping as well. It was quite a journey. <laughs> And um, you know, the, the speaking of payment, Wilco is uh, big payment fans. That's correct. They covered a tune. Did they cover what tune did they cover? They, they covered "Cut Your Hair" at their was it the the one that's in Massachusetts that they do. Uh, oh, um, they yeah. did a night of just all cover songs where I think somebody spun a, a wheel of various songs. <laughs> Not that they kind of had it planned, anyways. So. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> So I think they did like Daft Punk's Get Lucky and a bunch of other songs that, <laughs> you know. That's cool. Not, nothing like big surprises, but yeah. Yeah. I do yeah. remember Cut Your Hair now that you brought that up. Yeah, they're fans. So uh, yeah, we are doing Wilco today. Um, As suggested by you, you're a big Wilco <laughs> fan. Yeah, so... Wilco is the one band I've probably seen the most by quite a large margin. Really? Um, mainly because of timing of my life. Ah, sure. You know, I moved to Chicago in September of 2000. Yeah. Lived there through um, April of 2011. And that just kind of coincided with the time that uh, Wilco was basically playing nonstop. And since they're based in Chicago, they obviously played Chicago all the yeah. time. But I suppose even before I moved to Chicago, they, they played Madison quite a bit. Yeah, so I did see them at least once in Madison prior to moving to Chicago. Right on. Um, yeah, so that was just kind of their peak imperial period, I guess, <laughs> that early now, 2000. Now so, that... That was that. So, have you seen him with Jay Bennett? Was this like the Yankee Yankee Hotel Foxtrot days? Yep. So I saw them. I think the first time I saw them was uh, when Summer Teeth first came out. Okay. So, so that, I that, saw him at the the Barrymore here in Madison. And that's definitely Jay Bennett day because he yeah, he left. Yeah. So yeah, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot allowed them to sort of strip away from Jay Bennett. Correct. So yeah. I saw. Wilco's last performance with Jay Bennett, which was at Taste of Chicago. Which oh, wow. Be, I believe I believe that was uh, around the July 4th holiday of 2001. Wow. So this was before, right before Yankee Hotel Fast Track came out. So they had a lot of issues. Jay and, and uh, Jeff had a lot of issues that year uh, recording Yankee Hotel Fast Track, which ended up Jeff had to kick Jay out of the band. Mm. So um, yeah. I think the story goes that uh, Jay was trying to take a lot of credit for all the different sounds and songwriting credits. 
and would try mm. to kind of he would try to kind of break up the band by kind of talking behind everybody's back, depending on who was in the room at the time. Is that <laughs> right? Yeah. So that was ultimately uh. his. Yeah. Once once the other band members started kind of comparing notes with each other, yeah, <laughs> they realized that the bad seed was Jay Bennett. Now that's weird. So you were at the last show. Could you sense that there was some tension going on? Uh, no, not really. Yeah. For all we all we knew, everything was hunky dory with that band. Yeah. Um, I don't know when they announced that he got kicked out of the band. Probably sometime a little bit after that. But I yeah. think that was kind of surprising to most fans. I mean, a lot of fans still probably still argue that you know their peak years was when. Jay Bennett was in the band and that the songwriting suffered once he was out of the band because it was pretty much at that point just Jeff. Yeah. It's just Jeff's band. And you sure. Know, yeah. And, and you Jeff, know, you know Jeff has always talked this big game where he wants to be in like a collaborative band. All right. Before this gets too complicated for people who might not be longtime Wilco fans, Jeff Tweedy, before starting Wilco, was in a really great band called Uncle Tupelo with another fella named Jay, Jay Farrar. The two of them each would write songs and contribute it to their band, Uncle Tupelo. Then at some point, there was a rift between Jay and Jeff, and Jay announced that he would be leaving Uncle Tupelo. Once he did, Jeff Tweedy and the remaining members of Uncle Tupelo soldiered on as a new entity called Wilco. They did one record with that lineup and then eventually hired a guy named Jay Bennett. Jay Bennett is a very interesting character, but was more or less the other co-writer of Wilco of that period of Wilco. So they have their like initial break off of Uncle Tupelo. They do one record. They join forces with Jay Bennett, and then they do three more records. So we're going to start our conversation here talking about this era from the end of Uncle Tupelo transitioning into Wilco and the Jay Bennett era. Carry on. When Jeff parted ways with Jay Farrar, it was the idea, at least from what I understood, is that you know Jeff wanted to pursue having a group where everybody was contributing musical ideas. Correct. But that didn't really seem to work out because there's only been one Wilco song that has existed that didn't have Jeff Tweedy's input. It's like something on AM, I think their bass player wrote yeah. lyrically wrote the song. Yeah. yeah. And he sang it too. So Oh yeah. Yeah. That's correct. So having Jay Bennett was like really the first time where it was like, hey, they're actually becoming a band. It's actually yeah. two two folks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jay Bennett basically converted that band into a kind of keyboard heavy band. Yeah. You can kind of see when he didn't join until after AM was recorded. So yeah, being there, you can see that they started incorporating a lot more keyboards. So yeah, and then Summer Teeth, they really kind of really tried to incorporate a lot of keyboards into that. You can hear that in their yeah. uh, sound. <laughs> and uh, yeah, who, so the show who? that I saw at, at the first show I ever saw Wilco was during that Summer Teeth tour, and he would he would be playing everything. Jay Bennett, you know, he played like five different instruments and yeah there was multiple keyboards on stage and yeah and people love seeing that oh yeah. seeing a guy do everything <laughs> <laughs> i but remember going back going back to the collaboration aspect i do think that the band that he currently has which has been around since a ghost is born so basically from 1995 is actually a very 
collaborative band. Okay. So. Pretty tight-knit unit. And uh, I just listened to a couple of tracks from the new record. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think they're maybe a victim of their own success that now they have so many albums out. And obviously, yes. over yes. 30 years or whatever, the hardcore fans probably aren't going to be into the newer stuff as much but then it's like the whole argument do you want them to just keep touring and not and just play the old songs or do you want them to actually keep being creative and writing new material so sure well i mean there's an argument for doing both things you know you have a a catalog of music that transcends you know your band at this point you know like if there there was going to be a wilco cover band there is a set of music that they would certainly play um, and it's not going to be from the new material. So, you know, they can go ahead and just do the whole, here, here's, here's a track off our new record. And then, <laughs> and then follow it up with, oh, you're going to love this next song off of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, you know, kind of a thing. Yep. Or being there, what, you know, what have you. Um, yeah, I mean, they play for like, whatever, two and a half to three hours. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's room for, for many of the old tunes and the new songs as well. Yeah. So. Or, th or throw in a pavement cover if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got to say, I, I've probably seen them so many times that, like, you know, like their, um, their encores, like, you can almost guess what songs are going to play. It's always, like, yeah. Monday into Out of Mind, Out of Sight. I probably okay. saw that combination, like, 20 times at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, before we get too crazy into talking about Wilco, let's talk about the food. Um, so we came to this, you kind of sent it in one direction where you sent me a song that uh, Jeff had recorded with Golden Smog called Pecan Pie. Correct. And nice little ditty. Nice little ditty. Midwest super, super group. Super group. Golden Smog. <laughs> yeah. Who's all in, who's, is there an REM member in Golden Smog? I know there's a Jayhawk or two. Uh, of course, there's got to be a Jayhawk, right? Yeah, there's a yeah. Soul Asylum guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Multiple Soul Asylum guys. Uh, All right. Let's see. I think actually the drummer for the replacements, Chris Mars. So I just looked this up the other day. Was in it originally, but wow. by the time they recorded, they had a different drummer. Uh, but then the drummer for Big Star joined later on. So yeah, wow. it's just kind of a kind of rotating group of guys. I think Jeff Jeff joined in on them right after Uncle Tupelo broke up. So okay. I believe Pecan Pie was written kind of in the in, in between period. Huh. So they're sort of they're sort of like the me first and the gimme gimmies of of alt country. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so going back to Pecan Pie, which Which felt good. I mean it felt very uh sort of hipster. <laughs> kind of an hipster pie, you know, but it, it's its roots, I thought, were just a little too Southern. Correct. Because these guys, they, you know, they live in Chicago, which is the north part of a really Southern place. If you've ever been to Southern Illinois, you would feel like you're in a completely different oh, yeah. part of the country. Two different so, worlds. You know, I wanted to honor the state of, the great state of Illinois, um, because... They're not completely from Chicago. Um, Jeff Tweedy is, is from Bellevue, Illinois, which is 20 miles outside of St. Louis. So it, there's a completely different flavor down there from Chicago because we were talking about Chicago foods and um, correct. But I, I you know, I, I feel like with this group, you're just going to have to look at a larger scope of Illinois. And uh, turns out their state pie is pumpkin pie. Oh, that's crazy! And who would have guessed? 
who'd have thunk? <laughs> and and this also brings me to this idea of of Thanksgiving, which to me, I feel like Wilco is a Thanksgiving band. And I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> but they feel they they really to me like evoke an autumn sort of feel. Like they're their production, particularly these days, take away summer teeth because that's sort of an anomaly. Yeah, that's true. But like that's they're, they're more summer. Yeah, but their newer stuff, it kind of just has this this sort of like gloom to it. Even though, you know, it's not completely full. It's a little bit. It's a little bit brittle. Um, you know, it, it it has its own sort of thing. To me, I don't know. Feels like the fall, and. Uh, you know, it, it made me think, well, you know, I've been doing a lot of pies in this podcast. Last week, uh, I did, uh, actually did ACDC, and we determined that they're a, an Aussie meat pie. So we got that pie. That makes sense. Before that, we did the Go-Go's. They're a lemon meringue pie. So anyways, uh, so I'm, I'm probably going to get fat doing these next coming, <laughs> all these pie bands. But I've decided that Wilco is... Officially a pumpkin pie. So here we go. I never thought that we'd be meeting after such an incomplete fling. Slipped off. Um, so the other thing about. <laughs> The other thing about pumpkin pie is that it's not like Wilco isn't really completely truly beloved by everybody, but they're not they're not hated by anybody. Really. Like no one like no one hates Wilco. They're just kind of like, ah, oh, you know, there are a couple songs of theirs are pretty good. You know, and then everyone says like live, they're amazing. Like if you're gonna experience Wilco, don't even start with the records, just go see him play and you'll sort of know which direction you're gonna go in. That's for sure. I I don't think I've ever seen a bad show. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Would agree but, with that. Okay. But, you know, and then if you put, like, all of their, their output, like, let's say, you know, from, you know, post-Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, you know, they, it's it's like, whatever. One album kind of blends into the next. <laughs> That's when they, uh, the kind of the, uh, the, I guess the term dad rock kind of yeah. seemed to get traced back to Wilco. And that kind of starts from, I feel like, Sky Blue Sky onwards on the, yeah. in the Wilco discography. Yes. So there's definitely, they definitely went a little bit more introspective, I felt, from that period on and kind of more slower jams, yes. per se. So. A, little, a little bit less focused lyrics. Not that his lyrics were always. Very storytelly. I mean, from Yankee Hotel Foxtrot on, he was kind of developing a new style of writing lyrics, more similar to like what Pavement does, which is just yeah. sort of like little like one-liners that are all fused together that um, can paint any number of pictures depending on the perspective that you're looking at it from. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that was that influence with Jim O'Rourke that came in that yeah. period, right? So he started collaborating with him and that band Lucifer and that's when he met his drummer his yep. current drummer yep which uh many of you may have seen that drummer he was on some television ads wasn't he like a car ad yeah. playing playing like a bunch of tubes and you're whatnot. right you're yeah. right 
Yeah. Yeah. He's a very innovative, experimental drummer, but can also oh. just plain old rock out too. So. Yep. Yep. Many times when I when I actually do see Wilco play, I usually will watch Glenn play drums because he's just. He's just a madman behind the drum kit. He's just all over the place. His hair is flying all over the place. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. In- he is. He gets in- a good workout in. For sure, innovative is definitely the way to to describe it. He he pretty much helped unlock Jeff Tweedy's songwriting. I think from that Yankee Hotel Fast Trap period onwards. Yeah, yeah. So even though he's not, you know, necessarily a songwriter, but his collaboration. I think really kind of kind of expanded their sound quite a bit from that kind of alt country um, label that they were kind of stuck with for a while. Yeah, which obviously they had to. Have you did you, did you read the newest the newest Wilco uh, um, Jeff Tweedy book? He's got a I, a biography. Yes. yes, I just finished that up last night to ah, be prepared for this for this podcast. So. Fantastic. Um, so uh, yeah. I got questions. Uh, does he have anything nice to say about? Uh, has there been any reunion of Jay, Jay Farrar and him, or are they continuing to exist on different they, sides of the planet? They are definitely on a business relationship only kind of thing. So, sadly, yes, there's still a lot of Uncle Tupelo business that they need to discuss, which I guess they do by email. But uh, huh. no, they're still. I mean, I think Jeff always wanted to stay, maintain a friendship with him. He was really disappointed when, when uh, Jay Farrar decided just to break up Uncle Tupelo, kind of out of the blue a bit. Yeah, and Jay and Jeff would have been happy, I think, just being Uncle Tupelo his whole life. You know, yeah. with maybe like forty five percent of the songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and. And he, you know, it was. I think it just really hurt him quite a bit. I mean, he's a very sensitive, emotional person to begin with, and that really, totally. really scarred him. So they shared this really crappy apartment in Belleville mm-hmm. the whole time Uncle Tupelo was together, and it was just oh, really? a complete dive that nobody cleaned <laughs> the dishes. Quite not too dissimilar from the year we lived together. <laughs> <laughs> a house that has since been bulldozed. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> deservedly so. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. That uh, place definitely had its quirks, but yeah. uh, you know, my you know my favorite memory of that house. I mean, there's a lot of good memories, but I loved when we were moving out. Didn't we? We threw a we threw a couch over the. There was a top balcony, and we we threw a, my memories. We threw a couch over the top because we wanted to see it break, and it didn't <laughs> it didn't break good enough. So we we brought it back inside and t- hauled it back upstairs and threw it out a second time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 that was good. Nineteen-year-old boys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So, so they've got this so, apartment in Bellevue. Yep, they have that apartment, and you know, basically, I don't, you know, Jay Perard just, I don't know if he just didn't think Jeff was authentic enough or whatever. He just wanted to go his own ways, and he just decided to pull the plug on the band, and. And you know, both those guys had could not express their feelings to anybody, yeah. right? They had a so you know, he he just kept trying to bug Jay about why are they breaking up why is he breaking out the band? And you know, Jay just said, 
you know, he just couldn't stand being by somebody who, you know, liked himself too much or, or something weird like that. You know, he thought really? Jeff, you know, was just so self-absorbed with his whole persona or whatever. So huh. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I think, you know, Jeff tra- definitely was like trying to, you know, be successful. He, he wanted to make this band work, you know, they were, you know, doing... He was trying to keep the band together, and you know there was, you know, there's an anecdote about them playing Conan O'Brien, and the record company chose one of Jeff's songs to do on the show, and I think the producers of Conan O'Brien uh, wanted to do uh, one of Jeff's songs, and I think Jay, most likely, even though he never expressed it, didn't like that, mm. and then there's this whole story about. At one point, um, on tour in the tour van, and um, Jeff used to get really drunk, and apparently he was flirting with Jay's girlfriend at the time. Oh, really? And there's this there's this story of Jeff just being really flirtatious and saying how much he loved her, but in kind of that drunk way. You know how you know even when two dudes get together and drink, yeah, oh, I love you, man. Like, ah. There's a lot of sharing of love and affection and and jay took that uh, jay was i guess driving the their tour van and he was seeing this from the rear view mirror and was not happy with what was going on i guess he kind of kept this according to jeff he just kind of kept this for like three years and it just really ate at him and (laughs) so (laughs) couldn't get over that thing this is the problem with small town America is, you know, it, you're the working class are just supposed to hold everything in. And, um, you know, because they're Protestants, they should be, you know, if they were Catholics, they would be able to go in and do confessionals and like go in and just, or, you know, or else if you're in a larger town, you would have a psychoanalyst that you could talk these (laughs) feelings through, or you just learn how to like discuss your feelings. But like small town America, that's not cool, man. Nobody's doing yeah, that. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's such a bummer. But I wonder if even today, if you could get a straight answer out of Jay Farrar, like what, why he did what he did. But in the end, it gave Jeff an opportunity to really like spread his wings and like try out new music. And, and who would have thought that Wilco would have been the band to survive all these years? I mean, yeah, sure. Oh, there's yeah, still... That we still have Somvolt, and I know that there's one and a half really great records <laughs> out of those guys. But then you know, it really truly runs together. Yeah, that that's an interesting point because um, Sunvolt. So Jay starts Sunvolt with the original Uncle Tupelo drummer. Mm. Uh, What's his name? Mike. Oh, really? Mike Height. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So okay. he got back. So the original Uncle Tupelo drummer, Mike. Hydorn or something? I'm really bad at pronouncing names. Okay. Uh, but anyways, uh, he qu- he quit the band because he had a girlfriend and he actually just got a regular job working at the local newspaper. And okay. you know, so touring life wasn't for him. But he did get back to do three Sunvolt albums with Jay Farrar. But at the time, so I guess they got the same record deals: Wilco and Sunvolt. Because um, they, they on the same released- label. Yeah, they were on that uh, reprise. Reprise, yeah. Label. 
Because yeah. they had signed Uncle Tupelo, but Uncle Tupelo only did that one album before before yeah. Jay quit. Yeah. And uh, so this, so like the A and R guys and everyone at Warner Brothers were like, you know, Jay's our guy. He's he's going to be the successful one. Yeah. So they put a lot more money and promotion into Sunvolt. Yeah. And. Quite frankly, Sunvolt's first album, Trace, is probably the, the one of the best albums, right? I mean, that oh, was, yeah. Undeniable. You know, that it's might classic. be even better than a lot, most of the, it's definitely better than a lot of the Wilco albums. So it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like Jay, like, had all these tunes just ready to go and he saved all the good ones and, and he yeah, did that be. first album, right? So, yeah. So yeah, that. I mean, the, the, the last Uncle Tupelo record doesn't, I don't really go to that one when I want to listen to Uncle Tupelo. And I know for a lot of people that is sort of their go-to Uncle Tupelo record. It just never really struck me for for whatever reason. Yeah, it's okay. They, you know, if you're if you're a team Wilco, I mean, I think it's got some of um Jeff's yes, a couple of his bigger songs that they still play to this day. Sure. New Madrid is one of those numbers that they still play a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, so Wilco basically was just Uncle Tupelo minus Jay Farrar because yep. at that point, you know, they had they all went with Jeff, and then Jeff added another guitar player from the Bottle Rockets, and then yeah, later Jay Bennett, and then Jay went over um, with Mike and formed Sunvolt. So. So Wilco was the first one to release their album, AM, which is, you know, it's a fine album, nothing, yeah, you know, just that's a nice little tunes. Yeah. You know, nothing spectacular, but, but yeah, so Warner Brothers definitely was like, oh yeah, we're just kind of, you know, we're just kind of priming for the Sunvolt album, which came out a couple months later. Uh-huh. That got a big push. And I think, you know, I had a couple of songs that were on the radio or alternative radio. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Did you ever get that album when it came out? AM? I did. No, um, Trace. The Trace. I did. I had both of those records. Um, and, tr- you know, yeah, as we said, Trace was clearly the better record um, yeah. when comparing the two. Uh, AM? Yeah, AM didn't really, didn't really hit the mark for me. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, there are some great songs. Uh, Box Full of Letters is still a song that uh, just comes out of my fingers when I pick up my guitar. It's just kind of... <laughs> it's nothing special. Yeah. It's just it's just fun to play. You know, the the, the lyrics are fun. Um, and uh, kind of established, you know, starts establishing Jeff Tweedy as, like, his own kind of man. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, they don't... Uh, you know, they, they really started to find themselves when they got to being there. Like being there really feels like their first record. Like AM is just them figuring themselves out. And then they come out with being there. And that's one of their best records, I think. No, I, I would agree. Yeah. It definitely has a little bit of everything. It kind of bridges that gap of alt country mm-hmm. to more, not quite experimental, but, you know, a little yeah. more straightforward rock. Yeah. Uh, at that point. And it's almost their farewell note to the countryside. Like they didn't really, like after that, they went to Summer Teeth. Correct. Yeah. It's kind of more of a Brian Wilson, Beach Boys kind of layered, just layered sounds upon layered sounds. And yeah. Kind of, 
I think that's kind of when Pro Tools kind of came into effect for that, uh, recording artists, right? That's, they that's, were what, just... that's what they said, yeah. All right, before we go down a complete nerd wormhole, Pro Tools, for those of you who don't record music, is a computer software uh, similar to GarageBand. Maybe you're familiar with that. If you are, you probably know what Pro Tools is. But essentially... What Pro Tools has done for modern music is that it has made it very easy to record and to fix and to layer recorded music. Back in the day, you used to record it to tape. You probably remember the Beatles old takes where they're like, all right, take 43, where the band would just play the same song a billion times over and over until they found the take that they deemed the magical take. Well, these days, you can just do a couple of takes, or in some cases, four or five, and then just edit all the pieces that sound good into one take. Much like what I do here on this podcast. This podcast is recorded on Pro Tools. And boy, if you knew the stuff I was editing out. And actually, this particular episode has very few edits. Eugene and I seem to have a pretty natural flow, which makes sense. We've known each other for 25 years. Carry on. The drummer, Ken Coomer, he, he went on the record saying as, well, this is the record where Jay bought a Mellotron. <laughs> and uh, I guess he's going to try to get Mellotron on every single one of these dang songs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because he recorded his parts and he left, and it's just like, why is there so much Mellotron? So, yep. Well, Mellotron yeah, is could... pretty cool, though. Okay, you know what Pro Tools is now? Do you know what a Mellotron is? A Mellotron is like one of the first synthesizers. It's not, I mean, it's not a synthesizer, it is a keyboard that creates sounds other than pianos, most famously strings and flutes. If you think about the Beatles' Strawberry Fields, the beginning of that song, that bloop, 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 that, you know, that's the sound. It's created by using actual tape. Somebody presses a keyboard and then like a little tape player goes. These days we have synthesizers, which has like oscillators and reverberators and refrigerators. No, none of that. Well, some of that. It's computers. Computers make it all happen now. But before they had computers, it was a very unnatural but soothing sound, the Mellotron. Back to the show. You can see Jeff is really trying hard to kind of come up with these kind of more obtuse lyrics. Just kind of, you know, he's obviously reading a lot of novels or something at this point. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. He was also on a lot of painkillers, too. So that's, that's kind what of the they other said. issue. Right? Yeah. So, um, it is Jeff gave up drinking because his. His whole family, I think, is a whole a line of heavy drinkers. So he gave up drinking at some point yeah. in Uncle Tupelo. Yeah, his father certainly was like a lifelong alcoholic. Yeah, and I think that very, that very really functional uh, alcoholic. Yes, twelve beers a day, I guess. Oh his, wow, his jam. Yeah, yeah. and then he said that he really stuck to a routine, but he was, but not his mood swings. His mood swings were unpredictable. Yeah. which is essentially what created the sensitive soul that uh, Jeff Tweedy turned into. Yes, um, he is, yeah. as they say, a mama's boy. I think he mm. even said that himself in the song Misunderstood. Uh, he was always he was very close to his, his mom. Um, I think J Jay Farrar was the one who called him a mama's boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he obviously married someone that was very maternal and would take care of him, much like a mom. So he married okay. Sue Miller in in the mid '90s, and they had a kid pretty close to after they got married. Yeah, um, and she's just over ten years older than him. So, oh you know, wow, it was, 
there's there's that whole factor. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, so Sue Miller owned, uh, she owned Lounge Ads, which was like, you know, like the yeah. really kind of super old cool school rock club from, yeah. from the 90s in Chicago. Yep, that got closed down because the up uptighty neighbors kept calling on them, <laughs> so they had, they lost their lease. Yeah, that's that definitely like the height of like that gentrification Lincoln Park area of Chicago. Yes, totally. But yeah, so like Sue Miller had owned a three flat in Chicago, and she would host all the bands that would come play at lounge acts, and mm-hmm. she would basically take care of them and yeah. make sure you know they had a place to stay and you know whatever. So Jeff Willie took a liking to her, and you know mm-hmm. eventually, eventually hooked up, of course. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that's what led Jeff to move to Chicago and make. Wilco, a Chicago-based band. So after Uncle Tupelo broke oh. up, he moved in with Sue Miller. Okay, well, so let me ask: the original members of Wilco, which are the later members of Uncle Tupelo, are were those guys all from Bellevue as well? I think only the original members of Uncle Tupelo were from okay. Bell, Belleville. I think it's Belleville. Belleville. I think is it. <laughs> you know, I have to go back. And <laughs> I'll I'll edit this. Edit all that stuff. <laughs> uh, there's a Belleville, Wisconsin too, so it's very confusing. I don't know. I think it's a common name for a city. It is Belleville. Belleville. All right, Gene. Points Which for if you. you. Look on, if you look on Google Maps for Belleville, it's the strangest city limits. It's just like goes all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Like, did did some politicians like? Yeah, it's, it's almost as if some Republicans came in and. Yeah. gerrymandered yeah <laughs> <Bellville>. exactly <laughs> they said let's just get this out of the equation and, and yeah, keep exactly. Illinois red well assuming they're they're blue I'm not even sure how they vote so back on topic so so Jeff he, he meets Susan and he's living with Susan um, and I know that they're having trouble in the relationship now is that the lyrics that are contributing to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot well I think the or is it Summer Oh, summer teeth. She's a jar. Which summer is, teeth. Yeah, which kind of says something about um, about hitting her or something. Something, mm-hmm. but which I guess when he gave that album to the record label, he wanted "She's a Jar" to be the first song yeah. of the album. This really got, like, he was really upset. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. So they were like, "What the heck? What's with this album?" Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean that was ultimately how they ended up getting dropped by the label. It kind of started with that album. They were just, they just, this was kind of the era. I think they kind of bridged the era where alternative bands used to be able to sell like, you know, five hundred thousand copies if it was played on alternative radio or it was on MTV. To the point where we're at now, where like no, none of those albums sell more than like a hundred thousand copies yeah. anymore. Exactly. But like those, all those record labels, I still was still, um, still believed in the early '90s when you know you could sell like 10 million albums. So they were still like so greedy that they were like, "Well, how come this band? Yeah. You know, why should we keep this band? They're, they they don't offer anything. They can only sell like, you know, a couple hundred sure. thousand at, at the most. So for sure, and and like being there, uh, sold better." 
I think initially, I'm not, I, that might still be the case, than Summer Teeth. And it was an interesting record because there's 19 tunes. So the only way they could put it out was to make it a double record. And Jeff Tweedy was very adamant that he wanted the record to be affordable. So yeah, I, I heard they I gave up that. They gave up their own baby publishing rights. They gave up some rights in order to the yeah. record company to make That's sure that true. they could put it out. And he he said that it cost the band like thousands and thousands <laughs> of dollars to put this yes. record out. He had an artistic vision. And I don't know, I mean, I guess, I, I think he had in his mind to release a double album. And okay. normally, I think, if you're an established band, yeah, you got a few couple hit records, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Double album, sure, no thing, no problem. Sure. You know, Wilco yeah. only had AM, which yeah. probably didn't sell that great. Not that great, Okay. No. Yeah. Um. So, like, ah, and And sure. then this guy was, and then he was to put out a double <laughs> yeah. record? Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm, hey, I'm starting. I'm starting to understand maybe the seeds of why why Jay Farrar might have been upset at him. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, like he seems <laughs> he sounds like he's pretty stubborn. You know, and not always in a good way. I mean, obviously, it paid off eventually yeah. with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which sold over five hundred thousand records. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything before that, it it wasn't leading to that. There was no way that the record label was ever going to understand. You know, yeah. That. And, they were going in that for, direction. You know, and the thing about being there is that in the CD era, I think you could almost fit it onto one CD. Anyway, it wasn't like, you know, it's not like he came yeah, up it's with on this the idea of a double album where he had like 50 songs that he wanted to release. He had just whatever, the 19 or whatever. And he did one song twice on the really? album. He did Out of Mind, Out of Sight twice. Right. <laughs> so he could have cut out one of the versions that probably fit the whole thing. Onto one CD if you really wanted to. So that's like his Don't Cry version one, version two? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, one was like kind of a kind of piano ditty and one was more of the rocking version. So. Okay. So so more like Wave of Mutilation by the Pixies. Yeah. Which, Correct. if you go see Pixies Live, they play both versions at their shows, which I think is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> that, is, that is funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you don't even realize that they're doing it and then they do it. Um, and I, and I forgot to do this, but I wanted to make a comparison of uncle Tupelo to the Pixies because it was the same sort of thing where you've got Jay Farrar would have been the, the black Francis or Frank black of that band who is writing most of the songs. And then as soon as the attention goes on the other person, which in the Pixies case would have been Kim deal, she wrote the song gigantic. And that was the song that everybody loved and everybody was paying attention to her. And it drove Frank Black nuts. And so that's like, was the rift that, I mean, before that they were, you know, debatable lovers. Some people might've said they, it was never official, but you know, they certainly had a boy girl relationship that stretched beyond just being two band members, but it's kind of what drove them apart. That's, I think that's exactly what happened with, with Jay Farrar and Jeff Tweedy is like Jeff Tweedy started getting more attention and Jay just couldn't handle it. And he said, wait a minute, this is my band. You're my bass player. And he isn't going to say that. Um, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yeah. Well, I think I think Jay Farrar, that is, um, had a vision of of a particular sound, right? This kind of Americana, revival, yeah. all-country sound. Mm -hmm. And I, I bet, I mean, I think even if you listen to Jeff's 
Uncle Tupelo's songs. They were kind of almost like bad imitations of Jay Farrar's songs, you know? Yeah. Like yep. the, 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 the topics, you know, the lyrics were kind of what they were supposed to be, but were they authentic? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. But, you know, yeah. I'm sure Jay had this vision that, you know, I don't think you're authentic enough for me. Sure. And, and, and you know, and, even before then, I think Jeff really had a more diverse background in the music that he listened to. You know, he was much more into punk music mm-hmm. and, you know, various other alternative, sure. um, experimental music. And therefore and, less focused with his musical vision. Correct. But at the at the end of the day, his songs were more popular. It seemed like they had a little bit more hooks, and mm-hmm. you know, I think maybe Jay felt if they kept progressing, that it would just become more Jeff's band. And yeah, know, that's probably what. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, Jay. Was. Jay is a little bit of a one note, one note guy. He's got he's got his sound that he's carved out for himself. You know, and if. Correct. If, if it were up to him, it would have been kind of like ACDC where it's like, well, we found the thing that we do and why yeah. would we change it? You know, if it's, if it's working. I mean, history has shown that even Sunvolt has not been able to maintain the same members of Sunvolt. Yeah, exactly. So they've kind of gone through a bit of a revolving door. So I'm sure there's some yeah. issues there. <laughs> For sure. Let's continue with Jeff Tweedy. So, okay. So does he stay with Susan or do they break up? No, they they stayed together. I mean, so they're together to this day. Yeah, I mean, oh, wow. so so if you if you go on Instagram, she has this whole thing where they, I think it's called stuff in your house, where they, she has collected all these Chaskis from her childhood, <laughs> her whole life. So I guess their yeah. their house is filled with so much random junk, toys. You know, collectible. You know, not even collectibles, but just like, you know, any any kind of kitschy thing. Um, she she's got it, and 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 she's been collecting since she was a kid. So, um, she's she's got quite the Instagram presence on that. And then you know, they during the COVID lockdown, they did a lot of um, impromptu kind of jam sessions with the family, mm-hmm. but like you know, Jeff and his two kids. Yeah. So yeah, they they're still together. They, yeah, they it was a bit rocky, I believe, because of Jeff's really bad um, painkiller addiction, which, uh, as addicts do, you know, cover it up to the you know, and don't tell their significant others <laughs> what's going yeah. on. And of uh, you know, they had kids. Like I said, they had they had their first kid like four months after they got married. You know, they had another kid four four years later. So she was basically at home with the kids. He was out on tour, uh-huh. you know, high on painkillers. Yeah. And he and he really barely survived that. You know, he thought he was gonna die. And that was one of the reasons he killed he kicked Jay Bennett out of the band, is because Jay Bennett was really into a prescription pills. So oh, really? you know, he was gonna you know, he, he knew that was just and you know, Jay actually died of um, overdose, I believe, on some painkillers later on. I heard he was a guy that always drove around without a seatbelt on. Oh, okay. So I don't know why <laughs> I know that. <laughs> no, no, there was some, there was some, a little bit of a mention in the book 
you know, because he didn't die till like maybe ten years or five some years after he was kicked out of the band. Yeah. So going back to his marriage, I, I believe they had the rocky issues, but you know he stuck with her. She stuck with him more or less because mm, okay. she was he was a mess. And yeah, she's she's had multiple cancer scares. Oh wow! And, and so she had cancer like when they were first together, and then cancer came up again like several years ago, which was hmm. really bad, from what I understand. And, oh wow! Um, Somewhat fortunate to still be alive, but yeah, no, everything's good now. I mean, he's been off painkillers for since Ghost is Born. Yeah, came out. One of the uh, other shows I saw Wilco's that first show after he came back from rehab, he played in uh, a little club called Autos in DeKalville, Illinois, mm-hmm. and uh, that was like kind of the first show where he had like the, the, the current band. And he was, you know. So this is when so Nels jubilant. Klein. Is this yeah, when Nels, Nels Klein, Klein joins? Okay. Yep. All right. Um, and then there's Pat Sasson, I think his last name is. Uh, he's kind of this multi-instrumental guy. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that band is so locked in, and you know they they can pretty much do anything. So it's very, it's a great collaborative group for Jeff, who, you know, was, he wanted to be the main songwriter, right? But he needed some other really good musicians to, you know, come up with, you know, little embellishments and other things to really. Definitely. I mean, Jeff's, Jeff's songwriting, its brilliance is in its simplicity. Like, they're not really that complex. So it's. You know, I think he understands that probably better than anybody. And that's what he's been searching for is the right musicians to, you know, take these songs into a, you know, like a thicker direction. Um, But at their core, when he plays a solo show, he can just bring out an acoustic guitar and these songs stand up. You're very correct on that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, living in Chicago, I probably saw Jeff play solo just as much as I saw Wilco. So, you know, at least in the double digits and yeah you know he's a very entertaining guy just left to by himself just i don't know if he has this nervous energy where he feels like he has to kind of always interact with the audience but uh, (laughs) it is quite entertaining really Uh, almost to the point where it's gotten annoying that it's just too much interaction with the audience yeah the audience just feels like they can just ask him anything at any point uh, or request yeah. whatever song but, like the uh, comedian with yeah. like like the comedian without any jokes so what do you do yeah. what's your job <laughs> ah. hey hey this guy's hey, it's garbage day only on wednesdays anyways you guys just work on wednesdays <laughs> hey hey do you do you have spotify yep do you know that album star wars um, have you ever listened to Star Wars on Spotify? A little bit. I don't think like from beginning to end. Okay. Well, <laughs> I put it up on my computer as I was listening to some Wilco to get pre- prepared for this. And uh, you know that little bar on the bottom that tells you like how much of the song that you've listened to? You know, like there's this line oh, yeah, that yeah. starts in it and like as the song goes on, it like gets fuller and fuller. Um, okay. Somehow they've got it. So that turns into a lightsaber. Oh, <laughs> pretty neat little wow. easter egg for you <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's great i guess i never noticed that 
I I didn't yeah, is I it, didn't know I thought it was like a the glitch. Whole album? It's the whole album, every single record. Oh. Like they just he just puts a little thing on there so it just it looks like a lightsaber. And then the lightsaber as the song's going on it gets fuller and fuller. That is a nice touch. Yeah. I would say out of all their later records, I like that one the most. That one's good. Yeah. I I feel that's like the most experiment. I only listened to the first few tracks, but I was like, this is something different. Yeah, they they definitely I believe kind of just released that one out of the blue. Yeah. I think they probably recorded it fairly quick and didn't think too much about it. And it, it worked out quite well. Yeah. And totally. it's a little bit more rocking than the latter, latter day stuff too. So yeah. Maybe that's yeah. it. Probably. Everyone likes the rockers. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. <laughs> you, you so already, what else do we have to cover here? I think we have to cover pie. Oh, of course. Let's get to the pie and then if there's anything else we'll 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 throw do, it in. Do, is there anything else that is related to pumpkin pie with Wilco that you would need to touch on? I I think that uh well, I feel like you know, Wilco is like a very standard issue kind of hipster sort of band. And I I felt like, you know, in our older ages, like pumpkin pie sort of takes on a new thing because, you know, when you're kids, you don't really like pumpkin pie. It's just like, oh, that's the pie we're going to have for me anyways. <laughs> I would I would always gravitate towards the apple or the chocolate or something like that. And the pumpkin sure. pie is like, eh. You know, but as people get older, it's like every pumpkin pie I have every year, you kind of appreciate a little bit more. It's like, oh, this is really good. And like you actually think about it a little bit more and like, you know, sort of different takes you can have on it. You know, and and it's like some people, as I said, just go crazy about pumpkin pie, like like pumpkin spice. Every year, there's this big, oh my god, pumpkin yeah. spice is here, blah blah blah. Yeah, for sure. And for me, for me, I feel it's like somebody who's like super adamant about Wilco and being the greatest <laughs> band. It's like, well, man, if you say that they're so great, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool. Well, I can, you know, I'll have a, I'll listen to a Wilco album once a year. You know. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, like pumpkin pie is a pie that, like, I mean, have you ever had really bad pumpkin pie? Not Actually, really, I have. right? Oh, yeah. I have. <laughs> I'm, I made a bad pumpkin pie last year when I was trying oh. to make one. Well, that's your own fault then, right? It is my own fault. You made it? Okay. I didn't quite understand it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to see if I understand it now. Well, have let's... you ever had really awesome pumpkin pie? Or have they all kind of tasted about the same? <laughs> Hold on. How about this? Let's go eat the pie and then we'll talk about it because okay. I got some notes. All right. We'll see you in a sec. Looks like the lights have gone out again. Now that the storm has settled in. So let's go grab the candles from the hutch. We've been up for half the night. But the Let me see your pie. We're gonna eat it right from the. <laughs> Looks pretty good. Well, yeah, I did. I did dish it out. So. All right, that's good. Okay. <laughs> so, what did you use for your filling? I used a, a can, a can of pumpkin filling. Um, last Same. time I did it, I I used a whole pumpkin, and I didn't care much for the flavor. I did some research on the internet, and most people say that. 
they universally agree that the canned pumpkin is the way to go when it comes to making a pumpkin pie. So I did the canned pumpkin. How about yourself? Yes. I did the same. I, in fact, I really just put this uh, put this together as quick as I could this morning <laughs> using Libby's. Like I think Libby's is considered like the uh, the the OG pumpkin filling. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the standard the standard pumpkin filling can. Sure. 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 Uh, in a can. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I just I, in fact since I was getting a can anyways, I just got the can that had. Pretty much everything in there already, except for the evaporated milk. Oh, really? All I had to do was feed, <laughs> put a couple of eggs in a bowl, scramble them, put the filling in, put the um, evaporated milk in, and put the crust, lay down some crust, throw in the filling, and pop it in the oven. Hmm. And I figured, you know, how could I mess this up? And That's true. Yes. So we'll give it a shot here. All right. Let's give it a little taste. <laughs> Tastes like pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, normally, I guess I would have pumpkin pie mm. after it's been refrigerated or you know colder. So yeah, this, that's, I this, made my last I just bake this. Since I just baked this, it's been I've been allowing it to cool down for the last couple hours, so it's still pretty fresh. But yeah, yeah, it's good. So is, is it still on the warmer side? Because you didn't put it in the refrigerator, no? That's correct. So it's still. I guess room temperature. Right okay. Now. Yeah. So, how All about right. yours? So you made yours last night. I made mine last night, and let me tell you a story. So I have to be careful eating this pie because as I preheated the oven, because I was going to um, bake the pie crust before you put it in. That's what they 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 frequently ask you to do that so that your pie crust isn't so soggy on the bottom. It's a little bit a little a little bit crispy. I open up my oven door, and the whole front of the oven. Uh, um, pixelates the the uh, the glass shatters. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. So that was one of the things I had to do while I was trying to get tickets today. Is the uh, maintenance man came to take a look at my oven door and figure out what they're going to oh. do to fix my oven door. So as I'm eating this pumpkin pie, I'm I'm being very careful to make sure that I do not consume any glass. Got it. <laughs> so I, I so cooked. I, I cooked, I did cook the crust inside of the oven, and I'm pretty sure it's okay. fine. And then after that, I sort of looked at it and like tipped it upside down, made sure there was no glass. And then I poured in the filling and, and cooked it at, at my neighbor's apartment. Oh. So it was a little bit stressful. Ah, I see. All right. So, so how, okay. long, how, how long did you bake it after you put the filling in? Just like a, another hour or something? It said it said about fifty minutes, um, and okay. our ovens in this apartment building are all convection, so it actually cooked a little bit too long. The crust is on the verge of being burnt, so I'm going to stay away from the oh. out the outer crust. But the inside is pretty delicious. The bottom is good; it's a good consistency. I did use a can of I used organic canned pumpkin from uh, Trader Joe's. I take that, and this doesn't have any condensed milk in it. So, I don't. This, this, I guess, this instead of having condensed milk, I actually put in a cup of cream. So I got some organic, like whipping cream. Okay. Um, and then a cup and a quarter of packed brown sugar. 
Um, I actually got rid of some of the brown sugar and instead also put in some maple syrup because I thought that would go with everything really well. Mm. I grated up about two fingers worth of fresh ginger. So there's a ton of fresh ginger in it. Um, then I put it in like a half a teaspoon of nutmeg, uh, a half a tea, like three quarters of a teaspoon of cinnamon, um, some salt, and some black pepper. They say that black pepper is like a secret ingredient that you can put in the pie that really just brings out all the flavor. Um, oh, I also forgot to put vanilla in it. I was thinking vanilla would go, but it wasn't in the recipe that I looked at. Mm. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah. To thicken it up, you put in some corn starch, one tablespoon of corn starch, and three eggs. And you kind of mix it all together in the old KitchenAid mixer that I use all the time. Wow. Yeah. So you obviously spent a lot more time on your pie than I did. But. <laughs> I, well, I'm always that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Part of what I'm doing here is I, I want to bring forth a recipe. Now, I'm not sure what spice would be the most uh, Wilco-y spice, but I feel it would be nutmeg. I don't know why. But nutmeg goes with so many things. You ever put nutmeg in mashed potatoes? I have not. I recommend it. Okay. That okay. is a that's, that's an know. it's an Italian thing. The Italians they put nutmeg in there. And um yeah, good savory use for that spice. <laughs> yeah. So what what do you think about the whole um southerners rejecting the pumpkin pie that the Yankees try to <laughs> <laughs> I think this was this was like after the, the after the Civil War, I believe, is when this happened, right? Is that what I sent you? I sent I sent you like yeah. a, a little tidbit. Well, yeah. you know, the Southerners thought that the, the pumpkin pie was a Yankee food, and so they decided to if they were gonna do it at all, they would make like a sweet potato pie. Um but like just the use of the word Yankees when I said ah so <laughs> it's Wilco. It has to be. Yeah. There That's you go. That was my Do thought. we know why Illinois picked? I don't know if there's just more pumpkins in the north and no pumpkins in the south. Or Well, it turns out the reason that the pumpkin pie is the state pie of Illinois, which is a new thing. It was passed by Governor Bruce Rauner back in 2015. So this isn't even an age old thing. But it turns out that Illinois produces 85% of the nation's pumpkins. So that's why. In other news, the state fruit is the gold rush apple, the state vegetable is sweet corn, and the state grain is corn, which makes Illinois an autumn state. Ta-da! After I made, a, I made a pumpkin pie last year that I didn't like, I decided to make a butternut squash pie with the same spices that you would normally put in a pumpkin pie, but instead use the butternut squash. And it was outstanding. So good. I was. I thought that here on in, I would never make another pumpkin pie, and I would just make a butternut squash pie. Mm. Um, and now I'm also curious, because it seems that this year they have unveiled a new squash. It's called the honey nut squash. I'm not aware of this. It's similar to a butternut squash, but it's smaller. Like they're all... You know, about about that big, about the size of a, a brain. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Is that a brain? Um, it's a little bit sweeter than the butternut squash. And um, I don't know, it cuts a little bit different. It doesn't have the same, like when you cut up a butternut squash, it's sort of like 
bleeds a little bit. Like it, it just sweats. And like that, that liquid that comes out is just so like sicky. It's almost, it's almost like, like sap. It's like in between sap. It's like really starchy and it's just gross. And it, it just like sticks to your hands for an hour if you've ever done that. But the, uh, the, the honey nut squash doesn't do that. So I'm sure it's pretty much I'm a intrigued. GMO product. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whenever they come up with a new vegetable. But well, maybe yeah. uh, 11 months from now when we are meeting for this pavement show, we can uh, <laughs> try out some different pies. Yeah, sure, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I looked up Wilco's Spotify top five songs. They looked about right. There was a, there was one song off the newer album that I found kind of odd that kind of snuck in there. But, yeah, uh, it must be the single. But, yeah, I think the first three were like um, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot songs. Yeah. Is Heavy Metal Drummer in there? Yep. All right. I think Jesus Etc. was number one by okay. quite a bit. And Heavy Metal Drummer was like two or three. And then I looked at Sun Vaults. They were kind of all over the place, but like their numbers were like, you know, 10% of what Wilco's play counter, whatever was showing. So now well, I, I love for Sun Vault on the old Spotify. <laughs> So I guess the chances of us ever seeing an Uncle Tupelo reunion is pretty much next to none. Do you, like how many people would would more people go to that than a Wilco show? Oh yeah, for sure. I would go. I would think I would go to an Uncle for Tupelo sure. show. I mean, it would have to be in the Midwest. That's not a Midwest show. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, the curiosity factor. Like, can they get along to even? They don't have put, to put a show together. They don't have to get along. They just say, "All right, these are songs we're going to play. Maybe get together for well, one rehearsal." Well, they, you know, Jay quit the band and they still went on tour for like four more months. So, as Uncle Tupelo, <laughs> yeah, because oh. they owed, they owed, you know, they owed a bunch of money still to their manager. Oh, so wow. you know, it's like, well, let's do the tour. <laughs> <laughs> That well, was they, in the book. Yeah. So Do, I, did they play yeah. any of Jay's songs while they were on tour? Um, no, you know, while they, so when Uncle Tupelo, those last four months, they played their same sets. And I guess Jeff almost got really mad at Jay and wanted to fight him because, like, Jay stopped singing backup vocals oh. on, on Jeff's songs. <laughs> <laughs> God, I know that feeling. He's like, I know you hate me, but at least just come on, be professional, and let's do these songs, and let's you know get this tour over. With. I, I'm the same way. I, in my band, if like whoever's singing the backup vocals doesn't sing them, I feel like they think, well, it's just backup. Who cares? But like when I'm exactly. singing a song and I don't like have that harmony behind it, it's just like, man, what a diss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a super. I mean, what, what, what nobody is, in the world what is Uncle Tupelo if they're not singing together. Right? Yeah, and I'm sure nobody in the audience probably even notices it or recognizes it. But like the guy singing, you know, that's <laughs> the worst. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure it just kept eating at him. And yeah, <laughs> well, that's too bad. Yeah, well, who knows? I guess never say never, right? Never say never. You never know. There's been surprising, surprising reunions. 
So what do you think? Is this pumpkin pie a success? God, this pumpkin pie is so good. I really made a good one. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or if it's like the bits of glass that are all over it, but it's really a delicious pie. I can't stop eating it. <laughs> Which, by the so way, do, you- do never ever, uh, to, to my viewers or listeners, never eat glass. My wife is is really upset that I'm eating this pie because even the fact that there could possibly be glass is very very bad for your intestines. <clears throat> so you know that, that would make sense. That would just make sense. I'm just trying to avoid a lawsuit. Are you anti store bought pumpkin pie at this point? I you know I, have you ever had a store bought pie where you said, "Boy, this is really good." I've I've paid like extra money thinking I would get a very authentic artisan pumpkin pie before, and it's like, oh, pretty good. Yeah. Is it worth the extra twenty bucks I paid for it? <laughs> eh, probably not. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. I I think because if someone's making a, a a like a if you're buying a store bought pie, you're buying a pie that is designed to last a long time. And so whatever it is that they're doing, whatever corners they're cutting to make sure that it's going to like preserve for a longer period of time. Oh yeah. I is gotcha. going to take away from its flavor or it's going to add some stuff in it that has nothing to do with how tasty it could possibly be. But have uh, you yeah. ever had, have you ever had the Costco pumpkin pie, which is just <laughs> this gigantic pumpkin pie. They're like, Oh yeah. Like I like $6. I think it's like, <laughs> it's, it's insane, right? Oh yeah, but like you get a lot of pumpkin pie for your dollar. It's actually pretty and good. It's just, it's, I think. <laughs> Do you like it? I think it's pretty uh, good. It's just just too much. I, it's I a mean, lot of pie. The problem is, like, I'm the only one that really likes pumpkin pie <laughs> in my household. Yeah, my wife mm-hmm. does not like it. No, yeah. kids don't eat it. So. You know, somebody brings over a Costco pumpkin pie. I just look at it. I was like, I can't, I can't deal with this pumpkin yeah. pie. So, yet another um, argument that pumpkin pie is dad rock. <laughs> <laughs> and did you True. do you do you after a certain amount of time get through that whole pie? No, no, no. no for sure, it's just, mm. just, it's just too like you can't even cut that pie without <laughs> having a big slice of pie, right? Because yeah. The diameter of this pie is just so big. That's true. So it's just like too much. It's just too much. It just goes to waste. It's it's, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad. <laughs> it's true. But I mean, you know, they're the ones that made it six bucks for that pie. I know. I mean, you look at it, it's like, why, why wouldn't I get this? Even if I have to throw away yeah. three quarters of this pie, I'm still getting a great deal. I gotta tell you, what's what's really doing it for me with this pie that I made is that I put so much ginger in it that there's like a mm. huge dose of ginger, and um, you know it kind of when you're done with the pie, you, you still got little bits in your mouth that you can chew on it. I wish you were got here it. to taste this thing. Mm. Well, it sounds good. I guess another question I had for you about mm-hmm. pumpkin pie is: Do you ever eat the pumpkin pie without like a topping, like? Just plain pumpkin pie, no whipped cream, no never whatever. Pumpkin pie is like the cracker of pies. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. Like so does that make it less of a pie? The fact that 
like an apple pie, you can eat an apple pie or a cherry pie without whipped cream. Sure. But I feel like nobody eats a pumpkin pie without something on top of it. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Now, now when you say something, do you is there something other than whipped cream that you can put on there? Mm. I mean, sure, a scoop of ice cream, but that's still I more of an apple pie thing. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a it vehicle. It has to be something dairy, right? You can't, like, put, like, fruit on it or anything. That's nah, you can't, you can't put a piece of cheese on it like you can with an apple pie. Um, I know that, I think, like, something that they did down south when they were trying to get away from the pumpkin pie is they would make the sweet potato pie but put uh, pecans on it. So I think you can, you can put some pecans on it. Mm, that's and, idea. But is yeah. it too much like a pecan pie? <laughs> well, At what point does it cross over to pecan pie territory? I, I think if you got pumpkin <laughs> in there, you're, you're going to have to call it pumpkin. Because once uh, you're doing the pumpkin, you're putting those spices in it. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's funny, like those spices have become what, what pumpkin pie is today. Like the pumpkin spice or whatever. There's no pumpkin in any of that stuff. It's just got cinnamon and nutmeg in it. And I... Maybe some some allspice and clove. That's, that's true. So that is true. Yeah. Hmm. Indeed. Hard hitting questions. Yeah. We can't quite solve today, but someday. Someday. <laughs> Till then, we'll just keep eating pie until we figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool, man. Well, it was great to chat with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okie dokie, Smokey, that's all we got today. Another marathon. Not really a marathon. Marathons take four hours to run. Ask my wife. She went and ran one. Last week, it took her about four hours. But thank you, Eugene Kim, for coming in and chatting with me about Wilco, learning me a thing or two. I enjoyed it. Sorry, it was almost an Uncle Tupelo episode more than a Wilco episode. But I mean, you know, you got to get to the origin story. So that's what we did. Thank you, dear listeners, for checking out the show. If you're listening to this in real time, hey, have a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you uh, get to have a good and safe holiday with all your friends and family. I hope you're vaccinated. If you're not, I hope you get vaccinated soon. I think it is what it's cracked up to be. Did you know they're going to start locking down Germany and Austria again? You know why? Because they didn't get their vaccines. Come on, USA. Don't let that happen to us. Tune in next week. We're going to go to the underground, talk about one of the greatest underground do-it-yourself rock bands in the history of the world, Fugazi. Fugazi is a band that I discovered on the exact same day that I discovered Nirvana. A friend of mine gave me Fugazi's 13 songs and Nirvana's Nevermind. And I was like, I think I like this Fugazi one a little better. I think that uh, these guys are going to have a long, storied career. And they did. And, you know, no one ever heard of Nirvana again. So, tune in next week and learn some facts and find out what food they're going to be. As of this moment, I don't know what food Fugazi is going to be, but it's not going to be pie. We're taking pie off the menu for a little while till we get a few more marathons under our belt. So, until then, I am your host, Nathan Palin, saying cook on and rock out. Thanks for tuning in. Ciao, ciao.